Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to the fourth and final Rosie's House of Hockey miniseries presented by Blue Shirts Breakaway, me and Greg. Today we have Mie Dench with us. Mie, say hello. Hi, thanks so much for having me. First question, why is there an O in your last name? <laughs> uh, I've never been to figure that one out. It, uh, if you can tell me why there's an apostrophe there too, that would be that would be great. I, <laughs> I have no uh, idea. During my research, I went on YouTube and uh, you know when I was like, how the hell do you say this? Because I'm notoriously terrible at saying names, and it was like Dench, and I was like, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> so excuse my language, <laughs> like uh, at all. I was like, just doesn't. I don't understand. How does that happen? But I'm yeah, sh- I'm sure yeah. constantly well, you get the first that. name like me. Eh? Yeah, yeah. With a first name like Mie, too, I'm just really set up for failure. So <laughs> I'm pretty used to it at this point. What is the What is the most common thing you get you get called when people you introduce yourself? Uh, probably probably like Mai Doench, um, or, <laughs> or actually actually more common is Odench. Odench. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they flip around the O and the D. <laughs> yeah, the O is silent. Well, thank you for coming on Rosie's House of Hockey. I guess the way we'll start this podcast, other than pronouncing your name. Is talking about you know your beginnings of hockey and how you started playing the game and take us through your your sort of childhood growing up through playing hockey. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I grew up in New York City and yep. um, a little bit of an unusual story, not from you know Canada or Minnesota or something like that. But uh, the Rangers won the cup in '94 and my brother, uh, who's five years older than me, he was five at the time and I was about six months old. Um, and so he saw it on TV and said, "Oh, you know, I want to do that." And um, so I was watching him play from the point when I was I was six months old um, and, you know, wanted to wanted to do everything that he was doing, but, you know, better. Um, and, uh, and so just kind of went from there. My parents tried to peer pressure me into or rather parent pressure me into uh, figure skating, but uh, I was having none of it. <laughs> well, well, good news. You probably did do it better than him. <laughs> By a lot. <laughs> uh, well, he, he, he might argue that, but, but I, think, I, I think I would agree with you. Do you immediately go, well, how's your silver medal? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so does this, does this mean you're still a Ranger fan, or have you moved away from the NHL? Well, I'm not sure I can really comment on that. Mm. We've, uh, we've partnered with the Devils, and so uh, you know, I'm I'm now sort of torn between my uh, childhood team and my uh, professional affiliations. I mean, we're we're friends I mean, with Keith, with but we're also a Rangers podcast, so I don't know. It's a yeah, weird, we it's a, yeah. We, uh, we got a lot of flack this summer because Keith Kincaid is actually a friend of ours, and we brought him on the podcast and half the people that commented were like, why are you having a devil's goalie on the podcast? We just wanted to talk <laughs> hockey with our friend. That's literally all we wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you got a little blowback on that one. Yeah, a lot. Imagine. So we got some devil's blogs that were not happy with Keith and us. So, But, you know, we're just boys. We're just friends. That's all. Um, so what was the programs like? How did you start getting recruited, especially in New York? Uh, you know, Boston and Michigan are usually those hotbeds, but New York, not so much. Yeah, it was – I mean, it was wild. My, my parents – was so incredibly devoted and um i played boys through peewees um for a, for a team in the city the, the cyclones 
Um, and but then when it came time to switch to girls, there isn't an option in, in within the five boroughs that's super competitive. So um, or at least there wasn't at the time. It's it's growing now. But uh, we they drove me to Connecticut and then to Southern New Jersey. Um, and on top of that, those teams competed in the Midwest League. So it was tournaments out in Michigan, you know, Toronto, Montreal, like five times a year. Um, as like a 12 year old, <laughs> Jesus. And, uh, and you know, it was, that's what it took. You know, we had to, uh, I practiced with different boys teams and got on the ice early at Chelsea Piers, you know, before school, before anyone was there just to kind of get as much ice time as possible, um, in high school. And, um, and, you know, was in, was in touch with different college coaches, um, through all throughout that. Um, and was able to like, you know, go to different tournaments where they were, they were going to be watching and, and all of that. So it was quite the process, um, but I'm, I'm, you know, can't leave any conversation about hockey without thanking my parents. Cause it was out of this world. <laughs> they obviously yeah. knew right away. Like you were very good because at 12 by, by 13, they were like, okay, we've done a lot. She, is she good or not? <laughs> she has to be good. We have to keep taking her to this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think, uh, you know, my my parents knew that I, first of all, just absolutely loved it. And I think even if I sucked, they probably wouldn't have had the heart to say, <laughs> you know, no, we won't take you to this practice or, or whatever. But they probably went a few dozen steps further um, because they knew they knew I might have a future in the game. So, well, they were right. Uh, so then after, <laughs> sorry, Greg, go ahead. Well, I would I would just imagine hometown kid getting to play professional hockey basically in your backyard. Is it a pet project of, or not even a pet project? Is it one of your main initiatives now to make hockey more accessible for someone within the six five boroughs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I have have had limited time, but I've tried my very best to to try to get involved in different projects that are going on. Um, you know whether it's, you know, trying to volunteer coach with different organizations that are trying to open up the game to new audiences, or, um, you know, I did a panel with, with one of the, the guys who's trying to do that huge rink project up mm -hmm. in the Bronx. Um, and, you know, hoping, hoping all the best for that project. Cause that would be amazing. Um, and just, you know, I go to Chelsea Piers all the time and I'm always reminded of, you know, my, <laughs> my beginnings playing, playing hallway hockey and uh, learning to skate there and all that. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely something close to my heart is like being a hockey player from New York and the challenges and, and all that. So then, uh, sure, sorry, I can't even speak. Shortly after that, you go to a small college called Harvard. What was life like <laughs> at Harvard? Was that a big change for a New York City girl? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, <laughs> I've said this before, it's kind of funny. Um, a lot of my New York pride was like totally heightened after moving to Boston. Like something about those New England kids just really brings it out of me. Yeah, so, you're, now you're talking my language. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it used to drive me nuts when people would say like, oh, are you going to the garden or is the game at the garden? I'm like, that's not the garden. <laughs> you don't know. It, garden, this isn't the city that's either. That's not the garden. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, Harvard was amazing. It was uh, I, I, there's, I'm so grateful and humbled to have gotten to play for that program with the whole history and um, for Katie Stone, who's a legendary coach and 
Um, obviously, attending, you know, an elite institution was was challenging and really frustrating at times, but um, so rewarding. And um, I'm really proud of my time there, um, what I did in the Jersey and out of the Jersey. Um, and also just met like the best people I know, <laughs> you know, I, college and college is hockey in particular is a really special, um, unique thing. And, um, I still, you know, try to get up there as much as I can. Uh, actually the freshmen when I was a senior are, are just now about to graduate. So that's kind of a weird thing for me, but <laughs> it's like your last connection. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've been able to get up there uh, uh, various times this year and it's always so awesome to walk into the rink and just all the memories and all that is uh is just totally totally still there i just want to remind both of you that there is a portion of connecticut that doesn't consider themselves part of new england right <laughs> yes. as someone as someone who grew up in westport it's, I am very firmly from the tri-state area, not New England. It's the Yankee, just, it's the Yankee side. There. There's like the Boston Red Sox side, and there's the Yankees like sort of Met side. That's it's, like the, it's, yeah. It's anything yeah. in. It's kind of anything east of New Haven considers themselves New York, and anything no west of New Haven is New York. East of New Haven is New England. There's a it's a fine line. I I've never once associated anything with Boston. I'm just throwing that out there making sure everybody knows. All right, we'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. I, I, I have two, like, totally off the beaten path questions here. When you first ate pizza in Boston, what was your reaction? <laughs> um, well, I'm sure – I am i can't remember, but I'm sure I wasn't sober when I first ate pizza in Boston. <laughs> this so, is a great lead. Uh, what were parties knows, like yeah. at Harvard? So, Pinocchio's is – or Noakes, as any Harvard kid would know it um, – is like the the late night spot for for food and you got to get there by like 150 otherwise they're going to run out of pizza and i can't tell you the number of nights that i'm like dragging my teammates off the dance floor to like go <laughs> go to no <laughs> to make sure we get a slice of pizza before <laughs> before it uh it closes um but you know nightlife at harvard is um is i'm sure close to most colleges um you know there are storm parties and some people go to bars but mostly it's surrounding like you know the final clubs and uh, sort of the bigger bigger parties um which <laughs> you know are fun and um and uh, i i had a great time uh certainly uh my favorite part though was always the the pregame i was always uh a big fan of the of the hockey pregame so <laughs> that's uh that's my opinion we but. luckily <laughs> Greg and I had the privilege of having 4 a.m. pizza, which really, looking oh, now that you say it, it really was a game changer. And it was right next to our dorms. God bless. Yeah, it, it's life changing. I'm 90% sure I went to college with an allergy to ranch dressing. And I just had enough chicken, bacon, ranch pizza in college that I think that allergy is gone. It's gone. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my, some of my teammates used to ask for um, two, two, actually two separate, like, uh, bowls of extra ranch. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you're in college, you're burning calories, you're up at 6 a.m., you yeah. earned it. You earned that ranch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so absolutely. let's talk about your biggest achievement at Harvard, I mean, other than graduating, of course, which is winning the bean pot. Yeah. Uh, yes. That was, yeah. is that the biggest moment of your career so far? So I would say yes. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's tough between the bean pot and winning the Isabel Cup. Uh, with Rivers last year, 
Um, the bean pot was super special though, just because of the way it happened. Um, it was my junior year and we were hosting it at Harvard. So the women's bean pot uh, uh, circulates or, you know, alternates between the four teams. So we got to host it my junior year and we were, this was the year, you know, we ended up becoming in second national championship runner-ups, which was devastating, but mm. that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and our biggest rival, my four years, was BC. And coming into that bean pot game, we had played them once before in their barn, and they beat us 10 to 2, which Oof. is, like, so embarrassing. Like, we were a very, very good team, and that was not supposed to happen. <laughs> um, and they were undefeated going into that game. Uh, number one team in the country, uh, undefeated. You know, they were, like, 18 and 0 or something like that. And um, – and we we beat them three to two um, in, in our in our rink and got to raise the bean pot, which um, you know I think to to people who don't who aren't from Boston or haven't played on a Boston team, um, kind of think of it as just kind of like a tournament trophy. But for the Boston teams, it's you know there's more pride in that than than winning a league championship than pretty much anything except a national championship. So it was it was pretty special. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine it because none of the teams I ever root for win anything. Yep. So I, I can't, it's the feeling I can't relate to. Um, but what, I, I guess this is where we transition into your professional career. And we've, we've talked with uh, another Harvard alum in Michelle Picard, your captain and Madison Packer, who's probably one of the more um, louder voices in the locker room. You guys are going from defending your cup to maybe arguably one of the more disappointing seasons in the NWHL has yeah, that done would, a number on you that. mentally? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been challenging. Um, you know, it's been, it's, we've had some really frustrating losses um, and uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, gotten harder and harder to, to stay positive and keep the focus. But, you know, I think uh, as we really round the corner into the final stretch, um, after you know a brutal loss on Monday, um, honestly the the energy last night at practice was actually felt felt pretty good, and um, I think we had a series of long team meetings about really having a gut check, and as we get to the end here, um, you know what what we're gonna um, you know whether we're gonna lay it all down or we're just gonna roll over um, for the end of this season. Um, so certainly it's been challenging, but I feel um optimistic about about the home stretch here and um and we'll see yeah so for those is, that don't is know game, oh, go on well is, yeah <laughs> for, the, for those who don't know monday you guys dropped an 8-1 contest my my question for that is is it good to recognize that that game may have been rock bottom because as a group you guys could just be like all right cool nowhere to go but up from here it's a <laughs> clean slate in the playoffs this is where we turn it around yeah, um, I, I think I think that's definitely possible, um, you know, and, and actually, you know, like I was talking about before, I've been part of a team in, in college where we lost 10-2 to BC, and it really was exactly what we needed, um, and we lost, like, one game after that <laughs> total, um, and so, you know, I think sometimes it can be, you know, brutal and embarrassing and all of that, but um, it can be a real 
uh, momentum shift sometimes if you just get it handed to you, which we absolutely did on Monday. What do you think went wrong during the game? Like uh, any like mistakes that were glaring? Was there just the energy was low? Was the game planning just not correct? Um, it's tough to say. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we, we got, I mean, it's hard to chalk it up entirely to bad bounces, but, you know, we got a couple bad bounces in the first period. They scored three really quick goals. Um, and then as we were kind of turning it around and actually, in my opinion, kind of, kind of handing it to them in the second, um, just couldn't quite score, but just chance after chance and out shooting them and everything. Um, we, they scored another, you know, kind of bouncy, two quick goals towards the end of the second that really just put it out of reach. Got it. Um, and so I think kind of the timing of, of those goals uh, made it really tough to kind of turn the ship around at that point. Um, and especially, you know, it, it can be so frustrating when like <laughs> you're knocking on the doorstep and, and not able to, to bury it. So, um, you know, certainly there are things systematically and effort wise, I think, and um, in terms of, you know, what we could have done better. But another part of it is just sometimes you get a couple of really bad bounces at like the worst possible time and, <laughs> and there it goes. So, um, what, yeah. What was something you found yourself saying to your teammates during that practice, but that had a ton of energy? Um, yeah. I mean, so we went through some, you know, quick flow drills just to get moving and then move right into systems and just practice. Like we spent a lot of time on the four check yesterday. Um, and, you know, I, I, I found myself like the best thing I can do is just be not, 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 uh, you know, like, like lecturing the team or anything, mm -hmm. but just being loud out there, you know, if somebody makes a good play, if somebody takes a good angle or the defense makes a heads up pass or whatever it is, um, you know, a simple stick tap or yelling or, you know, tapping them on the shin pads adds to that kind of intangible energy that is so, so important. Um, and when it deflates, like you can totally feel it. You can see it. You can see it on Monday um, when, when that energy is gone, when the bench is silent and people aren't talking to each other. Um, you just, you can't, you can't win games like that. One of the things that always fascinates me is just how teams that generally have the same core from a championship team go into the next season. And it, I, I think like the casual fan just assumes, oh, it, it's the same group. Everything's going to go the same. But what are some of the obstacles that you guys have as defending champs that maybe uh, the Monday morning quarterback doesn't totally understand? Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's an interesting question because, um, you know, I think people don't uh, put in quite enough emphasis on the momentum of a season. And um, I think if you look at, you know, adjusting to a new coach, having a little bit of a shakeup of the lineup, even if, you know, your core is kind of still the same, um, and then getting off to a really rocky start, um, it's so, it's, it becomes so much harder to regain that momentum. Um, that we had at the start of last season that we just kind of carried through. Um, you know, I think individual players will tell you themselves that they, you know, had a hard start and it was really hard to, for them to uh, get it back. Um, and, you know, the nature of 
our season in particular is that we there's often long breaks before our games in between our games um so you know if you if you lose a couple in a row and then have a two-week break you know sometimes that can be good because you can regroup but other times you know you've got all that frustration and energy and you just want to get back out there um, but you've got to kind of sit on it um, so that can be that can be really challenging too I think um, but yeah I mean ultimately honestly we are pretty much the same team and we have everything we need um, and so part of the things that we were talking about in the locker room this week have been like looking ourselves in the mirror and really pointing the finger at back at ourselves and asking you know why why isn't this coming together um, or why hasn't it yet and and what what can I do specifically to to help it along um, and what have I not been doing up until this point that makes sense you speaking of I mean the NWHL like you said in a nutshell has a very non-traditional schedule where there it's not every weekend you guys have a game but you have had maybe the most non-traditional season in recent memory that I can think of because when the NWHL season started, you were on the campaign trail down in Tennessee. <laughs> what, yeah. what was, what Kentucky, was that decision Kentucky, process yeah. like for you? Oh, Kentucky. My bad. Um, my bad. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, it was wild. Um, you know, I, uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do and um, it felt really important um, right now. Uh, and I, I knew I, I'm going to law school next year. And so I sort of knew once you get on that train, it's not too easy to, to hop off of it and um, and do something like work on a campaign. And so, um, you know, I, I knew that I it was something that I really wanted to be able to do before law school. And it was a tough decision. You know, it's it's not easy to, um, you know, win a championship and then say, OK, I'll see you guys in six months. <laughs> um but my teammates were super supportive and um, actually really excited for me uh, and, you know, eager to hear about it and talk about it. And, uh, and that was, that was really cool. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I just, it was something that I, I thought was really important uh, and something I was excited about. And, um, you know, I ultimately made a, made a tough decision uh, and I, I certainly don't regret it. It was a, it was a pretty amazing experience um and also you know we've gone over this a little bit but i've only ever lived in new york and boston so really? <laughs> living in kentucky was um an eye-opening really experience <laughs> yeah yeah you could say that yeah okay <laughs> um yeah it's a little a little different um but but really really awesome i stayed with um this couple you know this 30 year old couple married couple who are just like family now to me and um you know i've made, made other connections that uh will last will last forever so um really really cool experience what was your job oh, on the campaign trail exactly were you just canvassing and such um so i was a field organizer so i did a lot of canvassing but um mostly uh the goal is to you know at first you do a lot of canvassing but eventually you want to be just only have time to train other canvassers <laughs> Um, so that's what I was doing by the end of it. Was, Got it. Um, was and in fact, by the end of it, we were training the trainers to train the canvassers. Wow, that's <laughs> um, a, what which a, what a to, You know the yeah right, um, and it speaks to you know the success that the campaign had. You know, obviously, uh, really really tight loss um, in the end, but you know the the district was 
was very tilted the other direction uh, when when we started. And um, our can- Amy McGrath was the candidate who was just an absolute rock star, um, and uh, and people were were really excited and who had never canvassed before, never gotten involved in politics. Some of them had never even voted before. Uh, were out knocking doors because uh, they just thought it was really important, and they respected her so much as a candidate. Been there before. I guess. I guess one one question I would have is, um, how did the New York City girl with the Boston education end up <laughs> on the campaign trail in Kentucky? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so basically, I want knew I wanted to live somewhere really different um or at least you know try it try to to get outside my comfort zone and um i researched a bunch of candidates and she was in that top tier of people who i just thought were super badass and just interesting and smart and like just seemed like the real deal um and so i i blasted out my resume to just like a few campaigns that uh, i was really interested in and uh they got back to me and i was lucky with the timing like Right when I was applying for the job, she would had just won her primary, so they were like expanding the team. So it was really good timing uh, for that particular race. Um, and I'm so glad. I feel so lucky because like you never really know if somebody's the real deal until you meet them. Like you can watch the videos and read their website, but she is the like a model of a leader, you know, obviously she's a former Marine, Lieutenant Colonel in Marines. Um, but just so many lessons that I took from just the few interactions I had from her, you know, she never forgot to say thank you. She never, you know, forgot to ask what she could be doing better and looked you in the eye um, and really took an interest in, you know, her team. And just so she was so grateful to us and she knew that, uh, she never forgot that like it takes a whole team to run something like that. So, um, so yeah, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> Mia, let me ask that, you a, a dumb question. Uh, you're going yeah. for you applied to law school. What does that mean for your hockey career moving forward? Because law school not easy. No, it's not. And sadly, uh, it means that this is going to be my last season. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm going to California. I'm, I going to Stanford and I, I Jesus Christ. a year. <laughs> I couldn't hold that one back. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. My bad. I'll be more, I'll be more professional yeah. now. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I, I uh, applied actually last season and then decided I, A, really wanted to um, work on the campaign and B, uh, wanted to, to do one more, play one more season um, while my body is still physically able to so <laughs> um at the ripe so, age yeah, of 24 so then, so then i'm headed west yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah got it well, yeah, as, as, 25 <laughs> oh, sorry my as, as someone as someone turning 30 i can tell you yeah. uh you're getting out at the right time because your body starts betraying <laughs> you and i am by no means a former professional athlete so i have i have no problem your playing career is going to be over but is there still a desire for you to be involved either in the league or growing the women's game, maybe in Southern Cal or Palo Alto? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the very least, I'm a lifelong fan um, of men's and women's hockey. Uh, and I am going to do pretty much everything that my time allows to support 
support the game in any way I can. Um, I'd, I'd love to stay involved. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm definitely still going to play pickup, so <laughs> yeah. I'll still be on the ice for sure. I don't think I can totally hang them up, but, uh, but also, you know, I, I would love to find other ways to, to get involved either in California or wherever I end up next. Um, it's super important to me and this game has been such a huge, 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 that word like doesn't cover it, <laughs> um, part of my life. So, uh, so it's, it's important to me. On, like on your yeah. Twitter, you have a pinned tweet that is you winning the Isabel cup with your team. And it says, <laughs> it says in bold letters in the immortal words of fallout boy. Thanks for the memories. How do I convince you <laughs> that fallout boy is a terrible band? Uh, well, <laughs> I think the, the the question mark there is a nod towards how terrible Fallout Thank you so much. I, I Thank you on that. so yeah. much. I, I yeah. can't appreciate you anymore. I have no more questions. Officially my favorite player. Thank you. Oh, it's just, yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel, I feel like the Harvard degree and the future Stanford degree, they would have had some questions if all of a sudden you were like, no, Fall Out Boy's all right. Yeah, under the court yeah, tree. Yeah, right. it's okay. We're good. Yeah, they'd probably rescind my acceptance at Stanford if, couldn't <laughs> if be I really a, went to bat. Couldn't be a bigger Boy. BA fan right now. Could not be. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you, uh, we, oh, Greg, go on, Greg. No, no, I, I was, I was just sighing on the fact that I wasn't expecting Fall Out Boy to come out in this podcast, but. <laughs> I, I never, never want to mention Ryan. them again. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Mie, when you do eventually uh, hang up the skates for the Riveters, will you come back on and talk Rangers hockey with us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. I'd love to. Great. We can do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I was the same year as Jimmy Vesey, so I've been following following his career as, as he goes through you know, his, his first few years in the pros. So Sometimes I, we say nice always, things about Jimmy. following the Rangers. <laughs> Other, other times, not so much, because we talk about the team yeah. way too often. Um, yeah, I, I still don't understand the running joke the Rangers have where they pretend that Jimmy VC is the biggest deal in the NHL, and I just don't know how it <laughs> happened and where it came from. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure on that one either. Um, but, hey, maybe he'll grow into it. You never know. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Greg, any last questions before we get out of here? Um, no, I, I would feel embarrassed to ask a nonsense question because I – I, I I still I'm still confused why you came on this podcast to talk with two complete idiots about hockey, but I'm happy. <laughs> so you nice did. of you. <laughs> well, I, you're right. I, I'm not a complete Ryan. You are a complete well, I, idiot. I don't know what I. I I'm something a little above it. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. One one and a half complete idiots. Huh? That's, yeah. that's the new name <laughs> yeah. of our podcast. Thank you so much. Really appreciate oh, yeah. it. Anytime. <laughs> all right, Mia. Why don't you uh, plug your uh, Twitter where people can find you and your, all your activism and such? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my Twitter handle is at me, M-E underscore yay, Y-A-Y underscore Dench. Um, so it's, D- a, it's a phonetic oh. pronunciation <laughs> okay. of, my, of my name. Got it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you know, you can find me on Instagram at M-E Dench as well. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at. Signing All off. I'm saying oh. is if you ever, if you ever start any kind of company that in, involves branding, if it's yeah. not known as the silent O, I don't know. I don't know where you're going. Yeah, on. and also if you don't hire us as idea guys, come on, man, come on, dude. All right, that's, that's a pretty good suggestion. I'll, I'll put that in the in the back pocket. Awesome. There Thanks so much for coming on, everyone who's listened to the Rosie House of Hockey special podcast brought to you by Blue Shirts Breakaway. Thank you so much. Maybe we'll be back next season covering the team. Who knows? Ask our our agent or something. We don't have one of those. I lied. Bye, everyone.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.